Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! And welcome back, everybody, for episode 110 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Snowed in here in western new york uh absolutely getting buried by snow from the south to the north tier uh or the south southern tier to the north tier uh got about a foot and a half myself this morning up in tonawanda while hamburg orchard park west seneca etc etc have been getting buried for the previous 24 hours um and we've all seen a lot of the, the pictures of the buffalo bills uh trying to get players out of their houses and to the airport in time to take off at 3.30 today to head to Detroit where the game has been moved. So, But with that being said, I am joined by producer Steve, uh, filling in for Jonathan Cullen today, uh, who unfortunately could not make it uh, on today's episode. But fear not, producer Steve is here with us and joined by a special guest. Many of you know him as the dark guy. His actual name is... Jason, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, Maslico. Oh, pretty close, Maslico. Maslico. Okay, Jason. That's a Maslico. hockey name and a half, right there. But. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, sometimes we butcher names on this podcast. But uh, thanks for hopping on with us, man. We know we've been back and forth a little bit for a while trying to get this done. Uh, and what better time than right before the very first matchup between the Buffalo Sabers and the Toronto Maple Leafs later tonight, 7 p.m. in Toronto. Uh, Toronto coming off a 3-2 loss to the New Jersey Devils, the red-hot New Jersey Devils, 11 games in a row under Lindy Ruff. Uh, again, not something to be too angry about. Again, it's a team that's playing some unbelievable hockey right now. Um, and then, of course, the Buffalo Sabres, who are doing quite the opposite, staring eight game, eight losses in a row in the face, heading into Toronto tonight. Well, very much looking forward to the game. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm just hopping on with you guys before I do the two-hour drive to Toronto. Uh, me and my young lady are actually going to be at the game tonight. So hoping for a big Toronto win. Unfortunately for uh, the Leafs, this is a game where they would typically come in and uh, and lose. So uh, hopefully that's not the case tonight. But, uh, you know, you got the Buffalo Sabres, like you said, seven losses in a row. Uh Coming in with, uh, you know, Eric Comrie going down with injury. Uh, I, I You gave me some good news before the we hopped on this podcast, though, because I was expecting Craig Anderson to be in net tonight. And uh, for whatever reason, 
Craig Anderson goes full George Vesna when uh, whenever he plays against Toronto. <laughs> but uh, you were saying Uka Pakalukin it looks to be getting the start tonight, so that's uh, music to my ears. I, I don't know if it's been officially announced, but he was the first goaltender off the ice. And, you know, historically, when you are the first goalie off the ice, you're usually getting the start. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, we, it looks like we're getting UPL, uh, you know, for the first time this season. Um, has averaged below average numbers in Rochester, but I mean, maybe Steve can speak a little bit to that as a guy who covers a lot with the, you know, the Rochester and uh, junior ranks. But uh, I just, um, I after coming to get coming off two losses in a row uh, to teams that you should have beaten, uh, Vancouver and uh, before that, who was it? Um, is Vancouver, then who, who am I forgetting about here? Uh, we lost to Ottawa the next Ottawa, time. Yeah, Vancouver, then Ottawa right after. Two teams, even though I said going in, don't expect Ottawa to be a team that even though they're blowing in the stand, the team that's going to lay down. It's a very good hockey team with a lot of uh, – with a great future out of them. Um, and Buffalo's had a very difficult time with top-line players. Um, you know, you look at Kucherov, uh, Brady Kachuk, um, Steven Stamkos, just every single team is top line that comes in uh, comes into Buffalo or you know whatever we play whoever whoever we seem to be playing they uh, they seem to dominate us no matter what because we don't have an answer for that and uh, in terms of line mat, uh, line matchups but uh, coming up against Toronto again I believe the team is nine five and four correct me if I'm right or wrong uh, there Jason yeah that sounds about right nine five and four. Um, most would say that not would say most would say, but Austin Matthews off to a slow start compared to what he was doing last year, just, just above a point a game per player. You have to expect he's probably going to absolutely be shot out of a cannon sooner or later. Um, had a little, little bit of a scare there at practice. I think it was yesterday, the day before practice earlier, but they're saying he's okay. And yeah. then, uh, Mitch Marner leading your team in points as well. Not, not, not exactly surprising. Mitch Marner is a world-class hockey player, uh, takes a lot of shit that I don't that I don't think he should but uh, well, I agree I agree there and I I appreciate hearing somebody say it's a world Mitch Marner's a world class hockey player uh he definitely is. gets uh, a lot of undue criticism amongst Leafs nation and uh you know the guy all he does is go out and and prove everybody wrong night in night out and uh, uh unfortunately there's some some faction of the Leafs nation fan base that would like to see him gone and uh uh, I, I can't for the life of me fathom a, a legitimate reason why. Uh, as far as Austin Matthews is concerned, you know, uh, a lot's being made about the fact that, uh, you know, his five-on-five scoring is actually down right now. He's only got two five-on-five goals uh, on the year where over the course of the last six years, uh, he's led the league on in five-on-five goals by uh, a fair margin. I believe he's got like 40 more than Connor McDavid at five-on-five. Uh but he's also only shooting 3% uh, on the season right now. You know Austin Matthews is not going to finish the year with a 3% shooting percentage? No way. So when uh, no way. When, when he gets that one game and, and things are going, uh, the floodgates are going to open for him. So, uh, you know, zero concern there at all uh, from, from my standpoint. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, – you know, you mentioned Connor McDavid there. No surprise, honestly, that he's, you know – about a point and a half per, uh, per game player, 32 points and 17 games. Big surprise for me just to step away from uh, step, stepping away from the lease and the Sabres for a second. Eric Carlson with 28 points and 19 games. Holy shit. Holy shit. I don't I think anybody could have seen that one coming. 
Where like nobody saw that coming, right? That's that's wild. Like, um, but you know, it's I, I'm happy for that guy. You know, I've always liked Eric Carlson. Um, again, another guy that's taken a lot of criticism, mostly because of injuries. Like, like I couldn't stay healthy too either. Well, I, ne- I never liked Eric Carlson until he left Ottawa. So <laughs> exactly, right. I hated playing against him uh, in the Battle of Ontario. But, uh, you know, teams need to be careful right now because uh, for as good as Eric, Eric Carlson is, you know, you go on social media and, and I think uh, 90% of every fan base is clamoring for their team to trade for Eric Carlson. Well, one, he, he's been he's been happy in San Jose. Uh, I don't yeah. think he wants to leave San Jose. And, and two – you know, he's got a pretty big contract right now uh, with, with a lot of term left on it. You, you'd hate to see your team put yourself into some cap trouble by going after him. But, uh, yeah, no arguing, no arguing what he's doing no. to start this year. He's he's rewound the clock. Yeah, we're, we're super excited about our suite over here in Buffalo, Rasmus Dahlin, and everything he's been accomplishing this season, really starting to take this, the league by storm. A guy who, in my opinion, at, at least here in Buffalo, has been unjustifiably criticized. Uh you know, over the last couple seasons, um, you know, hard to really sustain success, not even just from a team standpoint, but as a player, when you're, you know, going through a carousel of coaches the way the Buffalo has been the last 10 years. Uh, but looking at Carlson's numbers, man, he's already topped his, uh, you know, goal total from the last one, two, three, four, five, five seasons previous. Uh, and we're not even halfway into the season. We're about a quarter way into the season. And he's already scored more goals than the previous five um, again, as a defenseman, which is extremely exciting to see. And, you know, if that is a, t- if that is a player, I'm not sure what his contract looks like with San Jose. Is he a free agent next year? No, Who's I think he's, st- I think he still has a few years. He's left, still got a few years. Yeah. He's not, he's, he's got, got a few player. years and that's a pretty hefty price tag. Yeah, so 11, want- I think 11.5 million and there's like five years left. It's on insane. His deal. Yeah. They signed him to a really yeah. big deal and uh, yeah, he signed through 26, 27. I can't. I cannot. I cannot see any team. Any team willing to even even with the season they're having, being willing to trade for that guy at his age and his injury history. That's a that's a huge risk. Very very big risk. But uh, you know, stepping back away from that, back to the Sabers and Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, you look up. You kind of you kind of look up and down the uh, you know, you know the uh, scoring leaderboard, and to not see Austin Matthews's name up there. Uh, to not see guys like Mitch Marner up there again, considering like it's they consider it like a slow start, but you know me as a Sabres fan, a guy who pays pays a lot of attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs just because I love to hate on the Leafs. Who doesn't? But here's the thing: um, I think I've developed a lot of great relationships with Leafs fans over the last two years, and um, they th- they get it. It's all in good fun. But with that being said. Um, Last season, that Heritage Classic game, chef's kiss for me, even though our season was going nowhere, to see Buffalo come out with a 3-1 victory there. And then, you know, to see kind of with the direction the Sabres were going to end that season, to see where they started off this year, just the vibes we were feeling. And then the last eight games have been absolutely miserable. And now we're coming into a matchup against a very good Toronto team that's just starting to heat up. You saw you, you we've kind of been watching Tavares really get going. Uh, Mitch Marner, you know, he's been pretty consistent. Again, Austin Matthews, we fully – if there is a game where Austin probably goes and scores three or four goals in one game, it's probably going to be tonight, um, 100%, because it is the Sabres and they are struggling. But uh, with, with, yeah. with that being said, uh, Jason, um, how do you view this matchup? Again, a, 
you know, we always seem to play you guys pretty tough. Um, I've been to a ton of Toronto games here in Buffalo. Uh, from a Toronto standpoint, like, how do you view this matchup in terms of, you know, what Toronto has been so far this season? Well, it's, a, you know, kind of like I was saying a little bit earlier, it's a, for, for Toronto, this is a game that you look at and you should be able to easily take away two points from the Buffalo Sabres tonight. However, as, as history shown, Buffalo comes into Toronto. They, they play well. They've, Buffalo's goaltending has always been uh, phenomenal coming into Toronto. I remember when Ryan, Miller's was, Ryan Miller was with Buffalo, there was a stretch of, of five years where I don't think Toronto beat Buffalo on home ice. And then you look at Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson's got a 29-4 and four record with a 280 goals against average and a 920 save percentage career against the Maple Leafs. So, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, – a little bit of worry going into the game where, you know, typically the Leafs should win this game, but it's also historically a game where, you know, those games where Toronto should win, they find a way to lose sometimes. Uh, they quite often play down to their competition as much as they play up uh, to their competition when they're playing Tampa or, or any of the other uh, powerhouses in the league. So, you know uh, – Little nervousness going into the game, but the Leafs should pull it out. And in the end, uh, they're a good luck charm. Dark guy is going to be there, so uh, it's got to be two points, right? Yeah, you're the good luck charm guy. Eh? <laughs> uh, well, that's what I'm going with right now. You're going to be hanging the dart out tonight? <laughs> no, no. I I, uh, I had stopped doing that uh, uh, a long time ago uh, when I ran my quit smoking campaign and uh, all that kind of stuff. So well, That's good for you. Good for you. That's Respect. awesome. Yeah, it's not like that's not an easy thing to do. My mom tried for years before she eventually. Well, I wasn't. I didn't say I was successful. I just said I ran a quit smoking game. Oh, <laughs> you were, oh, okay. All right. I was about to get into a, like a really sappy story here. Like, oh, I didn't. I didn't quit. I tried. But <laughs> it, la- it lasted a couple months, and then uh, unfortunately went back to it. But uh, uh, one of these days, I'll, I'll I'll take another swing at it for sure. The Leafs will do that, right? Yes, the Leafs will do that. Sabers will do that. The Bills will do that. Um, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the one thing we do have in common, is I am a, a diehard card-carrying member of Bills Mafia. So that's awesome! How do you uh, how do you feel about the last two games? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was a little I was a little dumbfounded and in awe over uh, last weekend's game. Uh, I don't know why you didn't just take the safety uh, and 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 give punt the ball away. I mean, I, I don't understand, uh, but whatever. <laughs> It is what it is. This they're still a good team. Uh, I still think they're uh, a Super Bowl favorite, and uh, I, I think they got what it takes. I think they're out coaching themselves personally. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Ken Dorsey right now. I think uh, somebody said to me the other day, and it, it made a, it was a good point. Uh, many think that he's trying to get to a head coaching job as quickly as possible, and he's using Josh Allen's germ, uh, Josh Allen's arm to do it. Yeah, um, it didn't make a lot of sense to possibly have the best half of running the football that you've had this season uh, last week, and then to run the ball only eight times after that uh, when you had a seventeen point lead. That just screams bad coaching to me. Uh, yeah, there there were some questionable decisions for sure. Yeah, and um, it's again Singletary again for the first time in a while has looked was like he was running through tackles, he was finding space. Um, breaking tackles, and he had two scores on the ground. Um, you know, he's been more of a uh, a guy that's been effective for the Bills in the receiving game uh, in previous weeks. But finally on the ground, we were getting some momentum in a week where we needed it with Josh with a bum, bum elbow. 
and then you completely took the, the ball out of your running – you started five running backs, and you, you took the, the ball out of your running back's hands and tried to win through the air. And, you know, I don't think Allen, you know, was close to 100% personally. Um, no, he, he looks like he's been fighting the ball the last two games a little yeah. bit, but uh, – it's it's Josh Allen. I'm I I'm I'm not there, I'm not hitting the panic button here. Uh, I'm not too concerned. Like I said, I I still think they're uh, they're a good good favorite for for the Super Bowl this year. So yeah, I agree. Uh, t- you know you know going back to fandom, you know we talked about how yourself you call yourself you know you're you're a diehard Bills fan. Uh, we were talking previously on the air about the good old days. You mentioned the old days with Ryan Miller. I, I like to look back on the days with, you know, guys like Rob Ray, Brad May, uh, Barnaby, you know, you know, the back when they used to call the Sabres the hardest working team in hockey, uh, you know, led by Hashik and that who, you know, are, I don't even think it's arguable for six years. He was the greatest goalie in the world, six years in a row. Uh, yeah. I think the only year I think he would have won the heart. I think it was like six years in a row. Had it not been for that one crazy year from Jim Carrey in Washington, where it was just like, you know, he just went off uh, as a rookie. I think it was his rookie year too. His rookie year, his one and only year, really. Yeah, yeah really. He was a one-hit wonder, definition of, and uh, kind of stole that Vesna Trophy, in my opinion, from Dom. But uh, regardless, um, those were my favorite times as a Sabres fan. You know, showing up to showing up back then, Marie Midland Arena or HSBC Arena. And, you know, it wasn't as overloaded with least fans back then as it is now because of the struggles of the team. But, you know, the atmosphere was always insane. And just me me as a kid, as friends, we'd always try and find in the parking ramp, like Toronto or, or sorry, Ontario license plates. We'd saran wrap the cars, you know, <laughs> put lotion put lotion underneath the handles and stuff like that. And just, just, just fuck with least fans and uh, yell, blow, leaks, blow. But uh, obviously, that's not has not been a thing. And I think the vibe of that has been lost over the last, I don't know, like eight to ten years because of the struggles of the Sabers and just the inability to really show any stability. So the vibes of SB and hockey heaven, as Terry Bagul once called it, have been all but lost, um, and it shows quite a bit even outside the arena. The atmosphere of you know hockey, being being a hockey fan. Uh, back in the day, you couldn't even go roll on a side street without seeing some street hockey game going with kids wearing their favorite Sabres jerseys. And uh, I'm hoping that this team, uh, it looked like to start the season, that that's where they were on their way to. Uh, you know, Steve has sat here through it too, how much we've struggled over mm-hmm. the last two weeks to even play one <clears throat> 60-minute hockey game. It's been infuriating. You know what might have helped that situation? And you were talking about line matching a little bit earlier. You know, having a guy like Eichel could have helped that. Is that yeah. too soon or? No, I wouldn't say it's too soon. <laughs> listen, listen, he's one of the best players in the world. There's no doubting it. He is. Um, I I just think that uh, it's hard to sustain success when, and if I think if he would have played under Granado in any capacity, that would have been his fourth head coach since he was drafted. Yeah. Fourth. He was on his third GM. Um, look at Darlene and how long it's taken him, not how long it's taken to go, but you know, Granado is his third head coach. He was drafted in 2018. You know, it's like, you know, it, 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 when you have so much turnover at coach and GM, how can you expect to be successful? Like you as a bills fan, look how many years, the 17 year drought, like how many head coaches did we go through? You know, yeah. it's, it's impossible. How many coordinators, 
you can't you you can't expect consistency or success when the people who are making the calls and you know building your team and your lineup are constantly hired and fired and so did I blame for Eichel for wanting to leave? No, I don't. Because when you're approached and they're talking about another rebuild, it's like, well, dude, how many of these might have to go through while I'm here? So right, do I blame him for wanting to trade? No, I don't. Um, I think well, the- all, all kidding. I mean, all kidding aside, you guys have a, a stable of young, talented players oh, yeah. uh, from Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, uh, Victor Olofsson, Darlene previously mentioned. Uh, you got some great goaltending prospects in, in uh, Uka, Puk- oh, yeah. <laughs> Uka Pekalukadin, uh, Devon, Devon Levy. So, you know, you guys, the cupboards are full in Buffalo, and uh, I think it's only a matter of time for you guys uh, before things start coming together for you. Yeah, that's what, I was, that's, that's what I was building to. Like, you know, didn't blame him for wanting out. You know, he's in the rear view, even though uh, I was at the, the homecoming game, the second homecoming game this year where he went yeah. and scored three goals. Steve was there with me. That was rough to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Sabres tried to make it interesting in the third period, but again, uh, the last two to three weeks, they have not been able to play a full, give a full 60-minute effort, which is a big head-scratcher because, you know, going into the season, the first 10 to 12 games, like that's all they were doing. They were giving you, you know, maximum force effort every single night. They were leaving it all out on the ice. We were talking about 05-06 or 05-07 Sabres, the vibe we were starting to feel. They were never out of a game. They were always battling back, even when they were down by one or two goals. And then to go from that to where we are now, it is it is head-scratching. I, I do blame – I would say blame. I, I put the onus on coaching a bit because I think in terms of the goaltending matchups too that they, that that Donnie's decided to start. Like I personally would have given Ottawa to Craig Anderson. Um, I think that – as a goalie, and you could probably speak to this too, mentally, you know, you're more prepared sometimes for those types of matchups. Like the blood's flowing a little bit more. Um, I, again, I would have given probably Anderson tonight too, uh, just because it is Toronto and he's had so much success against Toronto. You look at guys like uh, who's the backup for uh, Tampa Bay? Um, Ryan Elliott, I think. Ryan Elliott. Yeah, Ryan Elliott. His record against the Sabres is like 17 and two or something stupid like that. Every time it doesn't it matter. It makes how me good so Buffalo. fucking mad. Every single yeah, time. dude, it doesn't matter how good Buffalo. Brian is. Elliott. Dude, it doesn't matter how good Buffalo is playing. They'll start Brian Elliott against Buffalo because they know that guy just for whatever reason puts it up to a different gear when he plays the Sabres. Um, so I do put a little bit on coaching too. Um, I put a little bit on the GM. I've, I've said the past couple of weeks that, I don't think you ever addressed one of the biggest holes on this team coming into the year, a second line center. I don't know if Dylan Cousins is ready to be that guy. Um, he shows flashes, but when I look at Dylan Cousins, and maybe you'll agree to this, I see a little bit of a Michael Peckaput type player in him uh, with some skill. He has some skill set, uh, a higher higher end skill set, but he's a guy who's who, who can go out there on a checking in a checking line role and you know immobilize a team's top line or top players the way Pekka used to. I just don't think he's ready to be that guy yet. I would have liked to have seen him down as the, on, your, on your third line. Um, but, you know, we're not at the, in, in that position. Uh, we, you know, Kevin Adams didn't address that address that hole. And now we're in a situation where I think there's a huge lack in depth outside of Alex Tuck, um, Jeff Skinner, and Tage Thompson, who have been absolutely on fire ever since Granato put them back together. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely on fire, but uh, 
I mean, for the small sample size that we got of seeing uh, the cousins Paterka pairing coupled with Alex Tuck for that second line, they were fucking phenomenal when that was the setup. But ultimately, that begs the question: who becomes that first line right wing? And up until tonight, Jack Quinn was out day to day with some injuries. But like, if there's a kid that you need to help find his fucking scoring touch, it's Jack Quinn. Like, you know that that kid's a certified ripper. He can rip it. Yep. Better, he can rip it harder than most. And the kid's like 20 years old. So, like, if you want to jumpstart his game, you know, strap a fucking car battery to someone, it's him. So, I mean, if they want to, if they want to spread the wealth, as it were, like, which is also like an inexplicably strange defensive pairing to put your two best defensemen, Darlene and Power, together, and then just say, eh, "Do your best to the bottom two pairings." Two pairings uh, yeah. yeah, like that's that's not a rep- recipe for su- success, especially when like. Kale Clegg was still part of that equation. Like, what, what, are, we, what are we doing? And, so, and like, they, they need they need to put somebody else on Dolly inside, and then they need to let Power go back to the second pair yep. with somebody else because you can't just put like your two best defensemen right now together and then just throw the rest of the pairings to the wolves. Not you can't get a, clearly you can't get away with that in this league. So even though there are plenty of games where the goalies could have been better, the coaching could have been a little bit more. You know, maybe sit some guys who were playing like dog shit, like. That it's the defensive work right now. Like with Matt, Matias Samuelson out of the equation, it's just God. Like there's got to be something more, which makes which makes it a big head scratcher when a guy like Mike Riley is available on waivers for nothing. Somebody who's been playing top four minutes his whole yeah. career and doing so with some level of effectiveness. And the only reason he's on waivers is because Boston used to make room for Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, he's yeah. the odd man out when you've got Charlie McAvoy. Yep. So, so, like, why don't you claim him? He's three million bucks. You've got the money. You've got the room. And even when you your team gets out, and even when your team gets healthy, Mike Riley is still in your lineup too. Uh, somebody else is taking a seat, and that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I look, I look at, I look at Toronto's lineup, and I, you know, there's a lot of players I love in your uh, on your team, uh, Jason. I love Michael Bunting. I love Robertson. I like. I'm a big fan of Yamark too. But, uh, you know, just guys that, you know, are a little bit slower to start right now. Again, just but just like Matthews, I expect them to start, you know, hopefully pick it up and turn it on a little bit here soon. And that's what scares me about tonight's matchup, uh, you know, is, you know, this you know, historically, like you said, you know, Buffalo tends to um, play the Leafs a lot tougher. Uh, this team uh, historically, not even just against the Leafs, but other teams, uh, players who seem to be, struggling always seem to get turn things around against the Buffalo Sabres. And is there any players tonight that you're looking at specifically outside of the obvious that you hope that really get going tonight? Uh, well, you know, somebody, somebody who's uh, been a little bit snake bitten recently and, and uh, is Pierre Engvall. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't been playing his best hockey uh, that we've seen in a Maple Leafs uniform. He's, He's a guy that uh, could come in tonight and and hopefully uh, get the ball rolling with a with a, a couple of good plays, a go, um, key goal, uh, and you know uh, another one is uh, Zach Aston Reese. Um, he's not a a big goal scorer and he has been contributing, but uh, I think that we could expect a little more out of him and we could pull, hopefully pull a little more out of him. Uh, he was a, a great piece for, for Pittsburgh for a few years there. And uh, I was excited when we, when we signed him to the PTO, glad he made the roster. And uh, now I think it's time for him to, to carve out a little bit of a bigger role for himself. 
Yeah. And, you know, in the years past, at least the last two seasons, uh, Toronto's been really criticized a lot about their blue line and the, you know, just the lack of depth there. How do you feel about the blue line this year? <laughs> uh, I, they, they're, they're better. They're better than they appear, I guess is the easiest way uh, to put it. You know, you, you, a lot of nights they don't pass the eye test, uh, especially guys like Justin Hall, uh, absolutely infuriating at times. Uh, but when you sit down and you look at some of the, uh, the the advanced analytics and some of the deeper statistics, you know, the, the Maple Leafs defensive play uh, is right near the top five, top six in almost every category in the league. So um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a situation where, you know, they're better than they appear, but uh, game seven of a Stanley cup playoff. Uh, do I want to see Justin Hall going over the boards to take a crucial shift? Probably not. No, uh, that, that's, that, that's a, that's a, a theme here on two goalies when Mike is analytics, you know, I respect it. It has its place in the game of hockey. You as a scout, uh, junior scout, you, you, you recognize that. But there is also, as a, as a player, you recognize there's also a game within the game that analytics, well, you, you can never read with analytics. We'll never measure, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely never measure. Like, you know, I told this story a few times. I've gotten into it with uh, analytics people on Twitter in the past. You know, my most specifically, you know, when Taylor Hall was here, uh, the second Jack Uggle got hurt, he, he, caught, he, he mailed it in. He mailed it in. He's like, he was, he, he was making a business decision to play not to get hurt. And they would just point to his expected goals for it. Like, well, he's getting chances. It's like, yeah, because he's a very high-end skilled hockey player. He's a former MVP in the league. But in terms of other areas of the ice that he's not engaging, no, he's not. He's not even trying. And it's hurting the team when he's out there. So, And they were losing. They were consistently losing. So you can sit there and point to analytics all you want, but it doesn't measure how often is a player engaging in a board battle. How often is a player engaging in front of that a puck battle? Is he doing a flyby? You know, you know, physically is that, you know, how often, how often, how often is a player willing to take a hit in order to make a play? That's those are things that analytics can't read. Uh, you can't find on a chart. And uh, absolutely. I, I go, I go crazy with uh, one of our oh, players yeah. about the same thing as uh, William Nylander. Um, guy is absolutely a physic, uh, absolutely phenomenal when it comes to his offensive talents of the game. Uh, one of the most natural goal scorers in the game, great shot, uh, brings a lot of value to, to your team. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when you're looking at the stats, it doesn't show you all the times that he's let up on a puck to avoid getting hit yep. uh, or, or peeled off a puck or, or, or just floated around uh, to, you know, it's advanced analytics don't measure your heart and uh, your compete level. And yep. unfortunately, you know, uh, I think a lot of people miss some of that when they're, looking at some of these stats and, and looking at the goals and expected goals. And mm-hmm. uh, it's something that gets missed. Casey Middlestack gets a lot of criticism here in Buffalo from me included is I don't, you don't ever like he, the, the talent is there. Um, he scored a couple, a couple nasty goals this season, but consistently he's just, you know, he's all over the place. Um, and he doesn't engage in those board battles. He doesn't, you know, he's not willing to take a hit to make a play. He's not willing to stand in front of that and take a beating. Like we see Jeff Skinner does a lot for Buffalo. That guy, his bread and butter, he's made a career off below the dots, scoring goals from right in there, being able to take a hit, you know, you know, get cross-checked, hacked in the shins to score a goal. 
That's that that is not what Casey Middlestat's game is, and it drives me nuts because the talent is there, but he always comes into he always comes into to the season under two hundred pounds, just doesn't put on the size. These guys in his sixth, I think, his sixth season in the league, like, and you're under you're coming in two hundred coming in light or you know not putting the size on. They kind of like the way Darlene did going into his second year. The guy came into the year looking like Ivan Drago, like they put on like 15, 20 pounds of muscle in his second year uh, uh, as a pro. Um, and it drives me nuts to guys like Casey who don't put the work in off the ice. It's clear as day he does it. Um, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the offensive ability in the world. You have a great shot. But if you're if if you if you tend to hear footsteps behind you and it scares you and it makes you and it affects your game to the point where you know it, it, you know, the outcome of that play is a is a negative, not a positive. Then you shouldn't be on the ice personally. And we have too many guys. I won't say we have too many guys like that. But when you like a guy like Casey who's been around for as long as I just I just don't understand the experiment that they're doing with him anymore. Like you just I, I'm done with it. Well, you're 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 uh, hearing footsteps behind you is a good segue. I'm I'm hearing footsteps here, guys. I hate to do it to you, but uh, I'm I'm a few minutes late from getting together and uh, heading down to the arena for oh, the game I tonight. So. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up, guys. I thank you so much for having me. But no uh, uh, I hope you noticed the the Bernier jersey hanging in the background. No, I, saw, uh, I was actually gonna bring it up. Uh, bring uh, it up a little, time. a little ode to hopefully we kick your ass tonight, like Bernier kicked the crap yeah. out of Miller a few years back. Push, uh, real quick, uh, <laughs> your, your your thoughts on your goaltending this season and prediction for tonight. Well, I, I tell you, uh, I was one of the few people in Leafs Nation who were very ecstatic about the scenario. Uh, bringing in Murray and bringing in Elias Samsonov. Uh, I think Washington is going to be kicking themselves for years to come, whether Samsonov stays with Toronto or, or he earns himself a bigger deal somewhere else after the end of this year. Uh, the kid's pedigree is, is he was a first rounder. I mean, this is a guy you do not walk away from after, after a couple of years. Uh, if there's more behind the story that I don't know about, I don't care. I'm happy that he's a Toronto Maple Leaf. And, you know, there was a lot made about uh, Matt Murray coming in and his injury history. Well, that's why you brought in Samsonov as well. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt as well, but uh, I, I'm not too concerned. I mean, Matt Murray is a kid who grew up in Thunder Bay, Ontario. He grew up a Leafs fan. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know his scenario of of the fact that, you know, his dad was also a Leafs fan and he, his dad drove him to his hockey games and his practices and would bring him to, to a, a game in Toronto every year. And his game went downhill when his dad got sick and then ultimately passed away. Now you take a kid who, who who's a Stanley Cup winner, who who's a, a fantastic goaltender, and you put him on his childhood team that his his father and him grew up cheering for. You had to know Matt Murray was going to come in and and want to play his best hockey ever. And and in the very small sample size we've seen, Matt Murray's been fantastic. So hopefully the health stays there. And if not. Uh, I love Ilya Samsonov. My I prediction agree. for tonight, um, I'm going with a 5-2 Leafs victory, and uh, uh, I get to have a, a couple good pops, enjoy a win afterwards. I'll shoot you a text if that's if Buffalo Buffalo finds a way to win, and I expect a couple uh, mean tweets, mean texts from me. Uh, <laughs> no problem. That's all part of the fun of being but a fan. I agree with you. I, I I wasn't a big fan of this, you know, as a, you know, unbiased hockey fan Murray signing. Cause I just thought that, you know, like you said, the injury thing. And then just, I just, 
the inconsistency over the last couple of seasons that I wasn't too excited for that for you guys, but I was excited about the Samson off signing because it takes longer for goaltenders to develop. Everybody knows that. I think he was thrown into a tough situation in Washington. And I think it's, that was a low risk, a very high reward, uh, you know, signing for you guys in the off season, definitely uh, in the Samson off. So with that being said, thanks for hopping on with us, Jason, have a safe trip to Toronto. Uh, I am not going to say go Leafs go, but have a good time tonight, bud. Uh, you know, I have a few beers for the boys, two goalies, one Mike, and, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. Uh, I appreciate that. And, uh, the one thing I guess we can say is go bills, go, go bills, go right. Out of the Browns this weekend. Let's go. Thanks. Yeah, Steve, uh, Jason has been a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal, you know, fan of, uh, you know, Leafs Nation uh, for a, quite some time now. He, uh, you know, we've been going back and forth trying to get him on now for a little bit. Uh, shout out to Ryan Jury for making that happen. Uh, con, uh, right consistent on. contributor for the show. But, um, yeah, tonight, bud, it, eight games in a row. We're staring it right in the face. Uh, and I guess no better team to get that figured out against than the Toronto Maple Leafs. But what a worse team to try and get it figured out then. It, this yeah. is like this is it's such a tough spot for me because, you know, I've talked a lot of shit to start the season about you know, and granted it was all in good fun, just Buffalo being ahead of Toronto in the standings early on, ten games in, uh, but then now we go into a situation where they are well above us in the standings, mm-hmm. and you're staring eight losses in a row in the face, and uh, I hope some guys have taken a look in the mirror uh, in terms of uh, you know getting ready for this game because. You know, this is a good opportunity, in my opinion, to really turn the season around. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, there's definitely an opportunity for tonight to be that game that really gets Austin Matthews activated. I don't think there's any love lost between him and Darlene after that little uh, front-of-the-net battle, cross-check uh, extravaganza at the Heritage Classic. I'm sure there might be some lingering bad feelings. So if Austin Matthews wants to make any team feel like shit, it's probably the Buffalo Sabres. Was that uh, the so last time they played? I believe it is, yeah. That was like March. So, yeah, I think that's the last time they've met. So this is the first time since the Heritage Classic, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, that, but yeah, um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of variables here. One, are blue lines getting a little bit more stable? The only person who's now not part of the equation is Sanderson. Like Yuki Haru's back. He had a little, you know, fart of a game against the uh, Senators. But, you know, we, I, I didn't expect him to, like, play lights out hockey in his first game back in a couple weeks off. I mean, Yuki Haru's always, like, he's been consistently this guy where it's like he's getting second-line minutes, but admittedly he's probably a third-line guy. Yeah. But when your third line guys are Bryson and people who are arguably even worse, you kind of don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I would have, I would love a scenario where a guy like Riley was in the top four because then it's Darlene, Sammy, Riley, Power, Joker, Labushkin. That I can live with. Is Samuelson, not, is Samuelson playing tonight? Because he is not. He is not playing tonight. They did announce that he will not be playing. Okay, because Heather Engel, Heather Engel, today lines this morning were. Darlene Power, Samuelson, Yoki Haru, Bryson Labushkin, and then the fourth pairing was Pilot and Fitzgerald. Yeah, um, I saw a post later on. I don't remember who the journalist was who put it out, but they did. I think Don Grado outright said he's not going to play tonight. They don't want to rush him in, uh, but it's looking likely that he'll be back against either Montreal or St. Louis next week. 
Um, phenomenal news. Yeah, so he's he's pretty much there, but they don't really want to push it tonight. He's like, which you know, honestly, is fair. We've seen mm-hmm. what happens when this blue line gets injured, and uh, so has UPL, which uh, brings us back to a point like thirty minutes ago. Uh, UPL's numbers have been a little subpar this year, but that's because uh, as Rochester, even Rochester's healthy blue line is not super impressive. Like guys like Clegg and Davies should be and Prisky should be down there to accompany guys like Prow and Laxanen. Uh, but when our blue line got hemorrhaged, their blue line got hemorrhaged. And I don't know if you followed their feed, but it was just like amateur tryout, amateur tryout. Uh, uh, actually, Zach Berzola got himself into the roster. You might remember him as the guy who uh, got to a little scrap at the prospects challenge after he tried to like railroad Slavkoski and Slavkoski was just kind of like, just stood there as, yep, he, yep. as he got railroaded, as he tried to lay a huge hit on Slavkoski yeah, and Slavkoski right. just like, ow, what are you doing? I know, and, then he, I, uh, and then he just got his face beat. Yeah, and um, I don't know. So, I, yeah. I, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so Rochester's blue line has been somehow even worse than it normally is. So to that end, uh, UPL having a, a sub-900 save percentage is uh, – it's not necessarily unexpected, uh, but with the exception of maybe one or two true stinkers of a game, he has been playing pretty consistent hockey. He, you know, his win-loss record is definitely more in the W column than the L. Um, he's only, uh, he, I think he got that flu that kind of ran, it seems like a flu has been running through every single AHL team and every single college team over the past two weeks, but like it ravaged the Amherst's. Um, so UPL only had like three starts in the last six games, like over the last two weeks, but all three of those starts were wins. So, I mean, even before he got sick, he was still doing fine. Um, so yeah, I, and I think, uh, you know, even the analytics nerds would agree with us that UPL does tend to play better hockey when he's in an NHL uniform than he does in an AHL uniform. So I think now that he's got his legs under him, he's had, you know, a dozen or so consistent starts and the overwhelming majority of them have been wins. I think he's in a good headspace. I think he feels good about his health. I think he feels well conditioned. So I think I don't want to say we can guarantee. Obviously, you can't guarantee a win, but like this is probably one of the better versions of UPL that we've received in years past. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a fairly good game. And uh, our blue line looking a little bit more like the blue line we want it to look like will definitely help contribute to that. Yeah. Um- Getting Samuelson back is going to be key, but I've said it a couple times. It's like one player leaving your lineup on the blue line, it shouldn't turn into an eight-game losing streak, right? And they also – I I joked about this on Twitter, but it's a fact. They have not won since Darlene was sucker-punched in the face by uh, Kakinemi against Mm -hmm. Carolina. Um, That was the start of the losing streak. Uh, I hate to be – try and bring back Miller Lucic vibes here, but – there was no there was no reaction from the team there in terms of what happened. Granted, I know I think it was you know uh, Darlene sent a puck at the net after the whistle and it turned into a melee and they were both face washing each other. But Cockneyami sucker punched him. You know what I mean? Like they weren't really throwing punches; they were face washing each other. And Cockneyami sucker punched him, and there was no reaction after that. And for me personally, and I hate and again, you know, they're two two way different levels, but. The one thing I don't want this team to do is get in any bad habits here. And 
when stuff like that happens, whether as a fan outside of both organizations, you agree with it or not, you have to have a reaction there and defend your superstar. I got into it with a guy on Twitter a couple nights ago or one or two nights ago about the knee to knee hit uh, from Edler on McDavid and the reaction from nurse. That was a great reaction. Um, regardless of whether you want to say Edler intentionally went knee to knee with McDavid or not, he went knee to knee with him and he was called for knee. Um, me personally, I thought it was a little bit more of a dirtier hit than maybe most people thought it was. But, uh, cause I thought he led, I thought he led with, led, made contact with his knee first before initiating, initiating contact through the body. Um, but you have to have a reaction there, especially when it's that guy. I mean, maybe maybe if that guy last year is, you know, Brett Hayden, maybe people aren't batting an eye at it, whatever. But when it's that guy, you have to have a reaction. And I'm not saying that this losing streak might have been different had there been a reaction there. But at the same breath, it's like, Jesus Christ, guys, can we not fall into the fall into these negative habits again? Yeah. Um, and uh, for what it's worth to anybody who still doesn't think that was intentional, um, there are a lot of uh, documented uh, historical cases where Edler has uh, made very intentional knee-on-knee hits in the past. Yeah. Uh, in the comments of that particular, uh, you know, current yeah. knee-on-knee hit. So maybe he just got better at making it not look so fucking obvious. Uh, but he definitely is no stranger to hitting superstars knee-on-knee. No, uh, he's done it before. He'll probably do it again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you go knee on knee with anybody, you should expect to have to answer the bell. I don't care if you're going knee on knee yeah. on some fifth line scrub. Oh, like, that's just that's just dirty fucking hockey. Like, I, should, I, I, again, I, that, I, can, I, that can be a season. Like, yeah, that's I, fucked up. I'm not saying that there shouldn't have been a reaction. Say if this was a bottom line guy like a Gergensen's, even though if it was Gergensen's. Oh, yeah. Like, but yeah, when somebody goes after your number one guy, you got yeah, it. There has to be a reaction. Got it. People aren't going to bat an eye at it as much as if it is a lower end guy. But when it's your superstar who's oh, yeah, without party has been this season, uh, you have to have a reaction, and there was none. And um, I would say a lot of the people defending Edler were also Vancouver fans as well, probably big fans of Edler when he played for the Canucks. So, uh, you know, I get it. You're trying to have a bias towards the guy, but that was a dirty head. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. Uh, going in, you know, we're going to air – Right after we air this, we're also going to air the latest edition of uh, Where the Buffalo Roam, so you can stick around for that as well. Um, right now, as we're recording, it's at 2 o'clock on the dot almost. So, uh, you know, check that out uh, right after Two Goalies, One Mike, Episode 108. Uh, we're going to be airing the latest of Steve's uh, from Where the Buffalo Roam. Uh, Steve, do you have anything for us uh, before, you know, we, we get out of here? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, the main headline is something that I posted about the other night that, uh, honestly, the biggest headline right now, other than Devin Levi being a fucking machine, the Amherst still being fine, is that uh, Matt Savoy is still on a 90-plus point pace. Yep. Um, and everyone wants to talk about that beautiful goal that Connor Bedard scored within the first 10 seconds of the game against Winnipeg Ice the other night. But Matt Savoy had a six-point showing that night. He scored a Hattie, three oh. assists. So, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but per Elliot Freeman, Buffalo did just claim Tyson Yost. I don't know yeah. how I feel. I don't know how I feel about that. He's I, I, he he kind of just seems like a slightly. He's like a touch. He's like that same kind of like hot and cold kind of player like Casey, but like without that like ceiling of skill. I honestly don't know how I feel about that. 
I don't know how to feel about it either. Um, this season at I center. Mean, they I mean, have been lacking, they have been lacking some 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 skill at center. I don't think you get a guy like Tyson Jost just to send him down to the minors. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if like the goal of having Tyson Yost is to replace Riley Sheehan, fine. Yeah, but if he's playing playing anywhere other than a four C spot, yeah, I am not. I mean, that's obviously an improvement over like Cody Eakin. What what Riley Sheehan? But if that but if that guy's going to anywhere in the top nine, I am flabbergasted. Yeah, uh, th- th- this is what kind of makes me angry about it is that. You go after a guy like Tyson Jost. I mean, yeah, there is some need for more depth down the middle. Um, Gergensen's is hurt too, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I believe Gergensen's. Maybe is still that, that, that could be a risky. Yeah, so right right now the lines um, looks like Rasmus Asplund, Riley Shea, and Vinny Henestrosa for that fourth line. The same third line of Krebs, Middlestaff, Olofsson. I still don't know. Like I. I mean, I get that that line's not working, but I also don't know what you do to give that line some life. Yeah, because um, all all three of those dudes are underperforming right now. So I don't know, like what you can do. Like obviously, if you have to prioritize giving like one of the young kids some time to flourish, you need to do it for Quinn more than more than Krebs. But Turk is doing honestly; he's doing just fine on Dylan Cousins' side. You don't need to move him. He's no, not. He, he's having a bunch of dangerous chances. He's been bit by the post like five times in the last made, five that, games. He's that been, movie made against Ottawa, uh, kind of filthy. Weaving, that that's um that was unbelievable. Like, yeah. And if I, if I any know, of you start finding the back of the net, oh my god. I know. I know. Jack Quinn was day to day with an injury, but I hope he's back. I, I, yeah, he's supposed to be back tonight. Okay, but that that's a that's a breath of fresh air, especially for that second power play unit. Because uh, the power play, play has been very snake oh bitten. One for eight, which is inexcusable. What one for eight? So, uh, with that many first round picks, that's news. That's news. I mean, our, yeah. who comes up? It, you know, who comes out of the lineup there? Is that just a, a spot bill? Is that kind of telling us that maybe the Gergensen's injury is a little bit worse than expected? Or I, I mean, um, that's entirely plausible. Um, I know I know Ocposo is also out for a little bit. Maybe it's maybe Ocposo is out for longer than we expect. I can't really say. Um, but yeah, um, again, as long as Tyson Yost is spending his time on the fourth line, I still think that that's an improvement over Shea and or Bjork. But yep. But I mean, hope again. My 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 experience with watching Tyson Yost play is pretty limited. Um, what he before he went to Minnesota and kind of laid an egg, he was with the Avalanche and admittedly didn't look half bad with them. But again, that was with a close to Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche team. So pretty much anybody's going to look good on that roster. Um, yeah, I'm trying to bring up his trying to bring up just his most rudimentary stats, but uh, I actually did see a uh, Jay Fresh uh, player card of him and Casey Middlestat side by side. And it just kind of looked like Tyson Yost was somehow a, a worse version of Casey Middlestat, which again, if you're doing that for a fourth line center, I don't give a shit. Yeah. He's not, but, he's not playing top six minutes. He's playing on, probably he, on your bottom yeah, line. Like, which uh, I guess is fine, but I, I, but I honestly still think the need for another defenseman that you can count on what's much is much more necessary, but that's just me. But what makes me angry here is you, you go and get a guy like Tyson Jost when you have a need, maybe in your bottom sixth center, but then Mike Riley just chilled there on, on waivers. Yeah, exactly. Touched him. 
Like, I get it. Nobody, I don't think it, nobody claimed him, right? Nobody claimed Mike Riley. No one. Yeah, no, he nobody. just went back. He just went to Providence. That's all yeah, that happened. Like for me, like, why not take a flyer on that guy? Like, he's going to help you on the blue line. Like, he's better. He's better. Than, I mean, I, I don't understand what you see in guys like Jacob Bryson and Casey Fitzgerald or Cal Clegg that make you think, I have to have those three guys over Mike Riley, a guy who has been – who has helped on the blue line in Boston – at the national level and on a lot of teams in the NHL would probably still find a way to be at least in your bottom pairing, even when you get back from injury on this team, especially you can't, you cannot convince me that Mike Riley is, isn't better than Jacob Bryson. Isn't a better option than Jacob Bryson. There are a lot of players that are a better option to Jacob Bryson. To be yeah. Like, you can't convince me of that. like the thing that's so just, I guess frustrating about Jacob Bryson is like years past, like the thing that he would do really well is just break out and skate incredibly fucking fast and get it behind yeah. behind the goal line and wait for the rest of the team to come in and try to set up a good pass. If he finds he has not done he has not done that once this year. Finds- I get that he's a small dude, but like he had the capacity to do it before in years past. Just grab the puck, just fucking bolt to the end of the ice. And you're telling me that if you can't connect a pass with a Tuck or a Cousins or a Paterka or a Quinn or a Thompson or anybody with any sort of offensive danger, that that can't translate into something fucking meaningful five on five? Like, he's a one-trick pony, and he's not doing his one trick. That's what's so fucking frustrating, is that he's only good at that one thing, and he's done it zero times this year. It's so fucking annoying. I'm over. Annoying. Like he need like go do your trick. We like we like when you do the trick because it's a fun trick, but you're not doing it. You're just like making a boring safe pass and then not really doing much else. And you're constantly out of position in the on your own end, which is kind of a pretty big part of playing defense. But again, yeah. what do I know? I just I just watch this team. <laughs> and you know what? It's it's you know if you find some open space, he's effective, but he hasn't been able to do that on this team. And I just, I, I'm just, I'm not as over Jacob Bryson as I am Casey Middlestat. And here's the thing. I will give credit where credit is due. Casey has played very well over the last handful of games in certain areas of the game. But where I need from Casey Middlestat, and this is me is just a fan slash mediocre hockey player talking is that guy just needs to be able to handle himself physically out there. And he just shies away from the physical side of this, the the game. And this team is not a team who's going to score in transition or off the rush as much as you'd like. They're a team that's going to have to go out there and, you know, take a cross check, take a slash in front to score a few goals here or there. And they're not there. They've just not been that team. They just have not been that team this year so far. And um, at least, after you know that hot start of October, and then they fall into the stereotypical Sabers, terrible November. Um, you're not going to be that team right now, guys. You, you got to you know get puck. I know get pucks deep, win puck battles, and win battles in front of both nuts. You cannot be puck watching as a defenseman in front of the nut that killed us against Ottawa. You saw that with DeBrincat, Watson. I forget uh, Brady. Like Brady Kachuk, for instance, the goal he scored off the off the backboards. It's just like, why are you as a defenseman? In I think it was I want to say is Labushkin and Yoki Haru, or I think Yoki Haru was the, the the closest guy. Put him on his ass, like 
Like, why why are you allowing players to go unscathed in front of your net? Like, that's how you fall into those bad habits of watching the puck instead of just grabbing a body, not grabbing physically, but getting on a body, tying up and take that person out of the play. Like, you got to start winning those battles in front of both nuts if you want to start winning hockey games. That's how this team is going to win, 100%. Like, you're going to – yeah, you're going you're gonna to have Tage Thompson go out there and make some nice moves. You're going to have – uh, you know, you're going to see the one off every now and then from a Casey middle stack. Cause he does have great hands or, you know, a we a weave through traffic play kind of like JJ Paterka, uh, the other night, but you know, you have to be able to win the smaller battles in order to win hockey games, especially on this Buffalo Sabres team. Uh, yeah. final thoughts, Steve, before we get out of here, uh, going into tonight, do you see this being where Buffalo, uh, breaks the losing streak? Or are we going to be sitting here doing another, I'll hang up and listen tonight. Uh, in tears, especially because it is against the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, uh, the same way that I said that this could be a game that completely energizes a guy like Austin Matthews, given that there's no love lost between these two clubs, it could also have the exact same desired effect for a guy that has been arguably pretty snake-bitten lately, and that would be Dylan Cousins. Um, he has... Uh, He's still getting some necessary assists here and there, but I don't think he's uh, lit the lamp in quite some time. I think he can feel it. I think he's gripping his stick a little bit too hard. And, uh, you know, I know that it's not everybody's favorite show, but I was listening to uh, After the Whistle the other day with uh, Thomas Vanek on there. And Thomas Vanek was even kind of – I love After the Whistle. I mean, yeah, I I like it too, but I know it's just not everybody's favorite program because some people like to just chalk them up as – all they care about are fucking hits. It's like, no, they care about the full game and uh, hitting people as part of a, this physical game, and we're just not fucking doing it. At you all. know what it is, man? Those so are I definitely people, agree with that. Those are the people who just look at it all and it through a chart, man. Like, it's just – Yeah, I – It's – Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, no, I, I mean, understand that the physical side of the game isn't what it used to be, but you do yeah. need those types of players in the NHL. Like your Keegan Colasires, your Nick Deloriers. Those guys are so valuable. They'd be so valuable on this team. I would love to have either of those two guys in this lineup every night because they do put the fear of God into certain players out there. And that would help against other teams' top lines. If they know they had to go out there and possibly go you know, face on with a guy like a Colasar or a Nick Delorier, or even the way Matt Kachuk plays. Matt Kachuk play, lines up against teams' top lines. Like, you know, he, he, he's, he's a fucking rat sometimes, man. Nobody wants – he's a tough guy to play against. Not because he's high level, but he just – he makes it physically more demanding for when, when you're out there. You're going to you're gonna get – take a slash. You're going to get hit along the boards. You're going to have to, you know, make sure your head's up in the open ice. The guys like that, they, they, they're so valuable. They're so valuable, and they don't cost you a ton. So I uh, – that's one of the things I think this team is lacking, man. I, I kind of hope that – if this, not, I don't want this losing, but if it does continue, that maybe they give a guy like Brett Murray a look, a guy with some size and some edge to him. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I guess I was getting to my other point that uh, on that episode, uh, Thomas Vanek was actually kind of perplexed why uh, Dylan Cousins isn't making his living the same way he did, getting some of those uh, dirty garbage goals just camped out in front of the net because yeah. it's not like Dylan Cousins doesn't have the body or the hands to be able to keep himself positioned in the front of the net, wait for a rebound to come from one of those perimeter shooters that we've discussed. You know, J.J. Paterka makes a nice quick rip from the top of the dots, but then Dylan Cousins is sitting right fucking there, catches the rebound, takes a top cheddar, done, easy. And that gets a guy activated. That gives him that confidence that we know he has. Uh, and we know he has the skill. Like, 
of all the play of all the young kids that you want to see grow, like Dylan Cousins is definitely like top of my list, just because I see so much potential for him to be like such such a quality two line center. Like penalty kill, Dylan Cousins. Power play, Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins is the one matching up against some of these top centers in the league. Yeah. Because the only way he becomes a top center in the league is having to win those battles. Granted, he's young. He's still not winning as many as you would like him to see. But, again, I I like what I see so far. I just think he's a little bit snake bitten right now. I think he's feeling those several bounces off his skate or off his yeah. stick that have, beat, that have beaten his own goaltender. And I think that the same way that this game could absolutely energize a guy like Austin Matthews, it could have the exact same effect on Dylan Cousins. And that's honestly more than anything. I'm hoping for a solid game out of UPL, and I'm hoping that this is a game that Dylan Cousins finally lights the lamp, or uh, you know maybe he has to fight Bunting again. I don't know. We'll see what yeah, happens. I uh, I hope. I, like I said, I hope they come as re- as energized and as ready as they did again the Heritage Classic. Uh, would love to see another a rematch between Austin Matthews and Darlene. That'd be great. Not a physical. You know, what I mean, I want to be get hurt, but. I love it when superstars. I love it when superstars go up against each other. It's great. It's good for hockey. Oh yeah, I hope they're both mic'd up, and I hope we get some uncensored chirps coming through. Yeah, definitely. There, there should be a player from each team, a vocal player from each team, mic'd up tonight for sure. Um, But with that being said, uh, Steve, thanks for uh, hopping on, bud. It's always a pleasure. Jason Maslikow, probably just for butcher that again. Do you remember? Dark guy. Yeah, I think it was guy nice on Twitter. Um, make sure you give him a follow. Uh, great follow. Uh, very passionate Leafs fan. Um, and uh, it was a pleasure to have him on. And thanks again, Ryan Jury, for help setting that up. And, uh, you know, actually go follow his podcast. I believe it's called The Instigators Podcast. Um, great show. But that being said, I will hang up and listen. Steve, always a pleasure. Uh, oh go Sabres. Blow Leafs blow, 7 p.m. the night, first matchup of the season. Uh, real quick prediction for me, I will say a 4-2-2 victory for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, that's also me being very, very, very Sabres biased guy over here. So um, absolutely zero anal- analyst was gone into that prediction. That's just me throwing it up <laughs> out there. But, uh, yeah. yep, but – yeah, Steve, uh, obviously talk to you later tonight. Um, and be sure after we air this, check out where the Buffalo Roam with producer Steve. He'll go over what's going on with the latest in the Buffalo's prospect pool from the AHL to college to the junior and European ranks. Uh, check it out at, as you see on his handle there, at 2G1M Buffalo Rome. Find me at DwayneS39 or at Two Goalies One Mike. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Go Sabres, blow Leafs, blow, and we'll talk to you later. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies on Mike, a show where we give you a behind the mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. 
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.